This is Shifting Our Schools episode 42, highly structured, loosely organized. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Well, welcome back to another Shifting Our Schools. Hope you're all adjusting to daylight savings times here, at least here in North America or here in the U.S. We had daylight savings time this last weekend. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Um, this one anyways, I don't like so much the one in the fall where all of a sudden it starts to get dark here at 430 in Seattle. But in the springtime, I so look forward to daylight savings. All of a sudden, you know, one day the sun sets at six and the next day the sun sets at seven. And I just, uh, I, I geek out about it. All my friends know that I'm just, you know, uh, a big believer in uh, daylight savings here in the Northwest. And the thing I love about it is that there are built-in math problems and math lessons into this day. And I, I just, I I have this app on my phone called the uh, Luna Solar Cal, and I'll uh, put a link to that in the show notes if you'd like it. But here's the crazy part. Today in Seattle, and I'm in Seattle, so very far north, it'd be interesting to see where, wherever you are, what this is for you. But today in Seattle, we are going to gain three minutes and 28 seconds more daylight than we did yesterday. And this has been happening now, of course, that every day we gain now more than three minutes of daylight than the day before. So if I was back in the classroom, my question to students would be, how long will it take us to make up that hour at sunrise that we just lost? So for here in Seattle, anyway, the sun was rising at six. Of course, we jumped ahead an hour. So now the sun is rising at seven. At three minutes and 28 seconds a day, how long is it going to take us to make up that hour sunrise again? And I think it's an, a great way to show kids just the, the idea of exponential growth, that every day we're adding three minutes. And of course, it's not three minutes just at sunrise, right? That is kind of, and it's not even really split half-half. And I'm not going to get into the science behind it, even though I would really love to. But kids would have to figure out, okay, well, you know, it's adding time on both ends, sunrise and sunset. So it's about half of that. And so then we have to think about how many days before we gain that hour back in the morning of sunrise. And today, that's really what I want to talk about is this idea of we have this stuff around us everywhere that allows us to have interesting questions with kids. And the idea of authentic, purposeful learning, I think, is more relevant today than it has ever been. I was recently at a conference, the conference I was at down in Portland, Oregon, and the keynote speaker said one line that has stuck with me now for two weeks, and that was, what if we pretended that the world was our curriculum? And I just love that. What if the world was our curriculum? And I haven't been able to get that out of my head as I'm constantly working with schools and working with teachers where they're saying, I have to get through this curriculum. I, and when they say get through curriculum, let's explain, they mean the textbook. They have to get through the textbook, not the curriculum. There's no curriculum to get through, but there's a textbook and a resource that you feel pressure to get through. And I get that. But what if the world was our curriculum and we could use any of it? And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today is... I use this saying in a lot of my talks and when I'm doing presentations where I say what we need to create for students is highly structured, loosely organized learning environments. Let me say that again. What we need to create in our classrooms are highly structured, loosely organized learning environments. What I find when I go in classrooms and I'm working with teachers 
is what I usually see is a classroom of highly organized, loosely structured activities. Now, let me read those sentences again to you. Highly structured, loosely organized learning environments versus highly organized and loosely structured activities. We are in very much an activity-based education system that a lot of what I see in classrooms are kids going from activity to activity, and there isn't an environment that is created that allows high structure, loose organization of data to, to see. And that to me is something that I want us to focus on. And what I want to focus on in this podcast is when you introduce technology into your classroom, you need more structure, not less. However, you need less structure because the access to content is so wide that trying to organize it all into an activity is almost impossible. How do we create highly structured learning environments within our classroom, but allow students to have a free reign of the organization of that information within the learning environment itself. And that to me is where we, I see a lot of teachers struggle when they're using technology in the classroom with kids and trying to create authentic, purposeful learning experiences is that we don't put the structures in place to allow kids to use their devices to go out on the internet and create the organization of that learning for themselves. But that can only happen if the structures are in place to allow kids to move through that organization of information at a pace that is right for them. So, Here's one way that I think of highly structured, loosely organized learning environments. There are three things that I see. Highly structured, loosely organized environments are fast-paced. We have to keep kids moving. When I see kids or I hear uh, teachers talk about kids being off-task with technology in the classroom, my first concern is the pace isn't fast enough. When I am in front of a class with students, I rarely have students that are off doing something else because there's just no time for it. So it's fast paced. In order to be also fast paced, we also need to have things timed out. My favorite thing to use in the classroom is a timer. When I say you have five minutes to research X, Y, and Z, there's a timer on the board and you have five minutes. And I don't give them 20 minutes. I give them five minutes. And then we move to another activity. That's highly structured. What they're doing in that five minutes is creating the organization and finding and researching the information that they need to organize that learning in their own brain. Highly structured, loosely organized. Lastly, highly structured, loosely organized learning is both on and off devices. That one of the things I love, especially right now with Chromebooks, is you can turn them on in seven seconds. So to have kids not just 45 their laptop, but to put it all the way down, get their hands off the keyboard and turn their focus to something we are doing physically in the classroom because we are social beings and I want kids to socialize. And then being able to have them open that Chromebook back up and be back online in seven seconds is a game changer. Now, I know not everybody has that, but you can do 45 or you flip the iPad over, but there's a structure in place to allow kids to re uh, refocus on the classroom and then get back into their devices. So I want to run you through a 
um, lesson that I did. I was doing a lab site at a school that I'm working with where I went in and there were about uh, 15 teachers that watched me uh, present a lesson. And I worked about, I worked for about a week with this teacher before I went in to kind of see where they were um, and to create a lesson that wasn't just a one-off, but actually fit into where the teacher was. And my first question when I'm talking with teachers and I'm doing lab sites, is, what is the standards and outcomes you want? What are your standards and benchmarks you're trying to hit? Because to me, that's number one. Don't, we'll worry about the technology second. I need to know what the outcomes are. So this was a sixth grade classroom. And what they were focused on in learning were ratios. And they were starting to make the transition between fractions and ratios in sixth grade. And I started thinking and was looking at one of the things I'm hearing more and more from our community members, CEOs and businesses, is kids do not have the skills that are needed in a spreadsheet. And so I've been really focused on using spreadsheets with kids, especially in math class. And so I saw a perfect opportunity here for us to take this idea of fractions and ratios and play that into a spreadsheet and show students how a spreadsheet can do the math for you. You still need to know how the math works, but when we get to really large numbers, that's when we bring in the computer. So this was a 50-minute class period, and here's how we broke it down. Kids had never been in a spreadsheet before, or we didn't know uh, what background kids were bringing with spreadsheets. So I know that the teacher had said that he'd never used them in his sixth-grade math class, so that's what I was working from. So in a 50-minute class period, here's how we did. The first thing I did was I set the stage, and by setting the stage, I had to get the kids' attention. And so we brought this, I, I decided to come in from a marketing standpoint. And I took this idea of, you know, in, a, in marketing, and I even used our, my own biz, our own business, Edera Learning, and said, you know, we need to know where people are coming from and what, what is happening. And all of those numbers tell stories. And we need to know the story of the numbers so we know where we can market. And so I even showed students some of the, the data that we had about our newsletter and how many newsletters we stand out and the small percentage of people that actually open a newsletter and then the even smaller percentage of people that um, click on a link in a newsletter. And so we started looking at this from a marketing perspective. And so that was the stage is what is the story of the numbers? And it just happened to be marketing. But to me, the big thing and the big key way, the big takeaway for kids was numbers have stories and it's our job as humans to tell the stories of the numbers. That the computers can show us the numbers, but they can't tell us the story behind those numbers. So then we went into a mini lesson I had all the students create a spreadsheet that we'd already made for them. So they opened it up and it auto made a copy of this spreadsheet that the teacher and I had put together. And we did a quick basic lesson, and I'm talking maybe a 10 minute mini lesson around what is a spreadsheet. We talked about the difference between rows and columns. We talked about the idea of a cell because I didn't know what background kids had. And most kids had told me afterwards that they had no idea first time they were ever in a spreadsheet in sixth grade, which I have a concern with. <laughs> and uh, we also talked about that what a spreadsheet can do is, is put formulas in it. And so we actually created a formula really quickly is we had students 
you know, just say, okay, the numerator is five, the denominator is 10, which means that our percentage, which is what they'd been working on, was 50%. And then we showed them how you can put in a formula so that the computer will do that for you, that it'll take five divided by 10 and show you that that's a 50% and even show it in 50%, right? Um, Not 0.5. And so we did this quick little mini lesson where we had them and we even had them create the formula. I showed them how you can pull it down so you only have to write the formula once. We talked about making sure the formula works. So kids were putting in different formulas to make sure, you know, five divided by 10 was 50% and, you know, two divided by 10 was 20%. And so kids were checking their formula. We then had them close their Chromebooks. And when they closed their Chromebooks, I brought them back together and said, now, the cool thing is, is, you know, when you're doing small numbers like five divided by 10 or two divided by 10, um, or even, you know, 30 divided by a hundred, you can get those percentages pretty quickly. But where computers help us is when those numbers are really, really big. And it doesn't make sense to try to figure it out in your head because the computer can do the numbers. So then I took them over after I had them close their devices. I opened up internetlivestats.com. And if you've never been there, it's a great place to go. I'll put it in the show notes. Internetlivestats.com has live internet stats as they would appearing based on the numbers that are reported. For example, uh, Twitter says there's, you know, however many thousands of new users a day. And so this breaks it down and it actually shows like if a new user was joining every second on Twitter. Um, We also know how many searches are done on YouTube. And so there are all these or how many videos are watched on YouTube, how many searches are done on Google. And these numbers are just unbelievable as they grow and just blows a sixth grader's brain. So they're looking at all these numbers and they're just flying by on the screen. And they're things that kids know, right? They're Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and Google searches and how many websites are being created. It's really cool stuff. And the numbers are moving really fast and they're really big. We're talking numbers in the millions and billions and they're live updated, you know, on a daily basis. And so I had the kids look at this and the kids were just all like, the room was just instantly like, whoa, what? And so I asked the kids, I think, well, what do you see here? And turn and talk to your neighbor. What do you see? And so the kids started pointing out, well, I see that they're moving really fast. I see that, you know, there are 3 billion internet users in the world and we've, we've already done more Google searches today than there are users in the world. And they started to see some of the numbers. And I said, well, what do you notice? What do you notice about these numbers? What are you thinking about these numbers? And at the end of it, I said, you know what I see? I see stories waiting to be told. There's a ton of numbers here, but we don't know the story of these numbers. And that's what humans do. So that now we're about 25 minutes into the class period, 30 minutes into the class period. We only have about 20 minutes left. So I said, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to open your devices And on the second tab of their spreadsheet, and I'll share the spreadsheet in the show notes so you can see it, we'd already, the teacher and I had already put in the formulas to turn a percentage into a ratio and then turn that ratio into its simplest form. And so we asked the students, said, okay, well, let's let the computer do the work for us. And so the students clicked on the second tab and I said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to set a timer for five minutes. And in five minutes, I want you to tell the story of one of these numbers or comparing two of these numbers together. Ready, set, go. And we set a timer on the board. 
And the students started to work and kids were picking different numbers. This is the loosely organized part, right? Highly structured. We've set the tone. Highly structured. We've got a five minute timer on the screen. Loosely organized. There are, I don't know, I can't even, I'm not looking at the website now, but I think there's like probably 15 or 20 different numbers that kids can start to compare and contrast. And so kids are starting to organize their own understanding of the information that they're presented with and deciding to make um, meaning of it. So for example, one kid does, you know, uh, YouTube searches to Google searches. And another student does a uh, number of emails that we send in a day versus the number of Instagram posts in the day. What a great comparison. And so students are plugging the numbers into their spreadsheet. And then we have a row in the spreadsheet that says, what is the story of the numbers? After five minutes, I have all the students take their hands off their devices. We shut the Chromebooks down and we bring, come back together. And I said, share your story with your neighbor. And so they share their story with their neighbor. I said, now who wants to share a story out loud? And we got amazing stories. Like we send 10 times more emails than we do Instagram posts. I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but it was awesome to watch these kids tell the story of the numbers. And that's the important piece. The technology can do the numbers for us. It can't tell the stories. So after, after a couple kids shared out, I was like, awesome, open your Chromebooks, let's go again. And so they open their Chromebooks, we set another timer for five minutes, they go through, they find one or two other stories, close your Chromebooks, share out. Open your Chromebooks, tell another story, cro- close your Chromebooks, and share out. My favorite share out was, is one of the things where a number of websites hacked versus number of websites on the internet. And the student, who I later come to find out, is totally into like the whole you know, website hacking thing in the hacking world comes out and says, you know, what's weird is we talk a lot about, you know, being worried about hacked. He's like the percentage of websites that have actually been hacked is really, really low, but you wouldn't know that if you listen to the news. And I thought, how awesome is that? That is a student organizing their own learning based on data. Meanwhile, we're focused on ratios. We're focused on simplest form. We're talking about kids telling the stories of numbers. And that's what ratios and percentages do. They help us to tell the story of the numbers that we're faced with. That was the lesson for that day. And where that teacher took it from there is the next day they come back and now all of a sudden the equations that we had pre-put in formed so that it would find the ratio and it would show the simplest form, the kids got to start to deconstruct those formulas and think about what other formulas they could put in their spreadsheet. To me, that is what the learning is. It's knowing how to do ratios absolutely by hand, but it's also understanding what are the stories that it allows us to tell of the numbers we have. A good friend of mine, Brian Crosby, has the blog, Learning is Messy. And if you haven't been there, it's totally worth it. Um, but Brian Crosby came out you know, back when he started blogging. The name of his blog was Learning is Messy. And I've always loved that. Learning is messy. However, it does not mean that learning is not structured. Learning has to be structured. In this scenario that I just gave you, we were on the machines, off the machines. A mini lesson, set the stage, on the machine for five minutes, off the machine for three. On the machine for five, off the machine for two. When we got done with that 15-minute class period, the kids were tired. They were excited. They didn't want to go to next class. Nobody was off task. 
That's what a highly structured, loosely organized learning environment looks like with devices. Now, is that going to be every day? No, because I'm not going to use technology every day. But when I'm using technology with kids, I need to make sure I'm highly structured and loosely organized. Allow the students to find the organization of the data within that. So that's my thought. And what I want to know now is I want your thoughts on this idea of highly structured, loosely organized learning environments. What does that look like to you? What does that look like in your classroom? And what I'm going to ask you to do is if you can head over to sospodcast.org slash questions and leave me a Flipgrid response. Do you have questions about this? Do you agree with me? Maybe I've got this completely wrong. I'd love to hear what you're doing. Or how are you highly structured and loosely organized learning environments in your classroom? So if you'll head over to sospodcast.org slash questions and leave me a Flipgrid response to how you create highly structured, loosely organized environments in your blended classroom, I'd love to hear from you. And I might even ask to include some of your responses in a future podcast. And... As an added incentive, because I really want to hear your thoughts on this idea, at the end of March, we are giving away a free one-year subscription to Flipgrid Classroom. That's the $65 if you buy it. We're giving it away free because they are a sponsor of this podcast. But you can only be entered to win if you go over and leave us a response. And it's going to be at the end of March, so we have some time here. So if you go over to sospodcast.org slash questions and leave us a comment, a response, a question, I'd love to hear your ideas about this idea of highly, highly organized, loosely structured learning environments in a tech-rich classroom. And again, at the end of March, we'll be giving away a one-year subscription to Flipgrid Classroom. Also, we are launching at Edura Learning our 30 days of free PD this spring. You will get an email every day for 30 days with tips, tricks, and ideas to use in your classroom from us at Edera Learning. It's free PD right in your inbox, but you only get it if you sign up. So you need to head over to sospodcast.org slash 30 days to sign up. Or if you just go to sospodcast.org, all the links are across the top waiting for you. I cannot wait to hear from you on this idea of highly structured, loosely organized learning environments. How, how are you using them in your classroom? How are you structuring your blended classroom? And what does that mean to you? So that'll do it for this episode. Until next time, we'll see you on the network. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.